We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hi, friends. Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe coming to you on Monday night. Uh, we're starting off our week right with the Mavericks getting the shit kicked out of them by the Cleveland <laughs> Cavaliers at home, 114 to 96. Josh, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, I appreciate, I think I have a little bit more sanity than you, perhaps because you graciously let me avoid the uh, Washington Wizards game as I had some other obligations. It was a fun so. game. It was just a bad loss. Like they, you know, it would be one of those where if they had won it, we would shove it to the side and say, good, you just need to win one like this. But, you know, coming off a Clippers win where, you know, everybody in their uncle was really excited as they should have been. You just would have expected this Mavs team to build something. And instead we are back at, you know, one game above 500 and everyone should be disappointed. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else to sum it up other than the Cleveland Cavaliers shot 25 of 33 at the rim tonight, Kirk. I don't know which number is more alarming, the 33 or the, tw- or the 25. Well, um, yeah. I don't yeah, I mean I don't know what to say anymore, man. I mean, I don't know. It's I'm running out of words to describe these losses because they're frighteningly similar 3 years in now. Um, this is the third, I would qualify third embarrassing loss for the Mavericks in 19 games, which I don't think is a, a great ratio. And I'm including the Atlanta loss and the season opener. And then the, the, uh, Denver no show, uh, you know, a little bit earlier in the season. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they, they are still, we still haven't seen we've seen maybe one or two definitive wins out of their 10 wins and every loss feels like it's a substantial loss against a team that has a semi-competent roster and 
the numbers are still bad. You know, the team metrics are still awful, like the net, net rating and all that stuff, the offensive rating. That ain't looking good after tonight, I'll tell you that. And it wasn't looking good beforehand. So I I, I don't know w- what else to say. And I know that's difficult because our jobs right now are to talk about this basketball team. But it's it's exhausting. It's just getting tiring to, to talk about these types of losses, uh, seemingly, you know, once once or twice a week now. Yeah, and it's it's one of these things where we don't take joy in this. Like the the thing that I get so frustrated at, and you know, it's like like the people who take like social media like really really seriously like need to get over. Like I don't like like we need to stop. Like it's fun. It's supposed to be fun. If it's anything other than fun, then you're not doing it right. Um, but it's just like like we. <sighs> We published an article that we really probably shouldn't have. I can say this now, like a week later. I, I forgot that Xavier's article was running. I just forgot after the Clippers went. <laughs> and realistically, yeah, we need it now. <laughs> realistically, this this would be the game to post it after. Um, right. Where, and, and you know, again, I'm not blaming any loss on one thing. Like, this is not a one thing. It is not Jason Kidd. It is not just the shooting. It is not just... Porzing or uh, uh, Luca looking too tired. Um, it is all these things come together, and I think that Jason Kidd would prefer to coach a defensive-oriented team. And this team is structured in a way to where the defense comes from the offense, and we've seen that in games where they play really good defense because they're hitting shots, and you know they started off the game playing pretty well. The first quarter was fun. And then well, by the, end the, of the first, first the first half of the first quarter was the first fun. like eight minutes, and then yeah. the Cavs just kept scoring because the <laughs> the Mavs didn't have any rim protection options. Like you know, Porzingis played like a pretty weird statistical game because he you know he had a dunk and then he did some you know kind of quick KP things. But overall, I thought he played pretty okay defense. The challenge is that like they were the guards were getting into the teeth of the defense, the supposed strong wing defenders that we have from Bullock down to Dorian Finney Smith. were getting, you know, the same shit we've seen for two years where it's like single dribble guys past you type thing. You know, this is why like for, for those of you watching, this is why I wanted Caruso because Caruso is an all like NBA level defender with the way they let you check outside right now. There's all sorts of physicality going on in the league these days. And the Mavericks don't really have guys that do that sort of physical defense. And so it's just like, it was one dribble, then oop, like there were way too many dunks tonight. Like the, you know, the, the Moses Brown, it wasn't fair to start him against this lineup. And it's just like so many things that come together to say, Oh no, because if Luka Doncic doesn't shoot unbelievably well from three, this game would have been over by the middle of the second quarter. Yeah, the Cavaliers had 19 turnovers, and Luka made seven three-pointers, and the Mavericks lost by 18 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. How many – I can't imagine how many teams have lost by double digits when the opposing team has 19 turnovers. I like, mean, they were the, – the Cavs <laughs> were just leaving points on the table left yeah. and right. It was, it, was, it was bad. Yeah, and you're right. Like, this is not a – like, when I – that 25 of 33 number, like, that's not on Kristaps. Like, that is a team – collective failure and this is coming off the wizards game where the wizards scored 60 points in the paint so it's not trending well and it you're absolutely right you know it's just the perimeter defenders it's just not there like 
I'm, I'm, can we, can we stop saying Tim Hardaway Jr. is, is a qual like quality defender? Like I just keep seeing that repeatedly and I just, he just cannot sustain longer defensive possessions where rotations are required. Like it just doesn't happen. And, you know, like I'm just not seeing it. I just don't, you know, with, with a starting lineup that has Luca and it has Tim Hardaway Jr., you know, that's two potentially subpar defensive players. I know Luca has his moments, you know, but like he still, you know, he still takes possessions off because he has like a 40 usage rate this year. So you can't expect him to be a quality defender every single possession. Uh, regardless of whatever improvements he's made or hasn't made. And and then, you know, you go down the bench and, you know, Brunson's a little undersized, you know, Bullock helps, but like, it's just, it's just not happening. Like they're just, no one can stay in front of every, anyone. And when your best defender on the roster is Maxi Kleba, but he's a help guy. He's not a, mm-hmm. he's not someone you throw out there and like, Hey, you know, shut this down. He is a, I'm going to, you know, I'll come off the bench for 25 minutes and, and guard the rim. Like, but it, it doesn't matter. Like Maxi and Przingis combined for for six blocks. Like that's a really good number. But that doesn't matter if every you know if the Cavaliers are shoving it down your throat every single possession because you can't stop basic dribble penetration or you can't contain the pick and roll. Like it's not those mm-hmm. two guys' fault that seemingly a runway to the rim is presented to them to the you know the opposing guards the last two nights. Like it's just you know you can't sustain that it doesn't matter how good your rim protection is you just you have to you have it's a it's a symbiotic relationship between the perimeter defenders and the post defenders like it's just you can't you can't have one guy or two guys try to clean up the mistakes of five six or seven guys and then we just kind of saw the saw what happens when that gets real bad these last two games yeah and and the big man thing is something I, I I didn't know what to write about this game. You can tell in the recap. I just don't know what to say. Um, and I just got a message from someone in the NBA world, basically telling me that I overwrote <laughs> the entire yeah, you, recap. You gave to, you gave them you gave the Mavericks more effort than they deserved. Well, that I overwrote and that it's also boring, which was pretty outstanding. Um, oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say who because it was meant as pot like it was meant as positive, like constructive feedback, and like like you need that in writing. Um, <laughs> and and I'll, yeah, I'll tell you who after the podcast. Um, but it, it's it's I didn't know what to write, and one of the things this game, these last two games, is have really focused on for me is that the Mavericks big man rotation is so on like Carlisle could could make it work. But th- they're just also limited. I mean, we're all clamoring for more maxi minutes, and I, I tend to think that's the answer. But even maxi, we've talked about this for two years now. He's being asked to do too much. So it's like you, you look at these lineup where you play, you know, Mobley, who was a number two overall pick, potential rookie of the year, and then Jared Allen, who's a late, who's a late first round steal. But you know, he bigs are the surplus in the NBA talent market, and for the Mavs to have this many whiffs on their team <laughs> in the big man market is shows that the people who constructed this team did so in a way that it, it, it doesn't like the pieces just don't come together the way they used to anymore. I don't want to say they're bad because crap, like they got, you know, they were fifth seed last year. Like they've made it work, but the book is now kind of out on how you attack these guys. Like they see Dwight Powell in the lane. They're just going at him. You know, he does not matter. It is a rim-running feast whenever Dwight Powell is a big in the game. You know, Porzingis can only save him so much. Uh, And then, like, Moses Brown, poor guy, seven foot two, all limbs, all energy, no idea what to do. 
tries hard, but it's just like this game is this game requires more than he's able to do at this point. Is that you know? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, Maxi played twenty five minutes, and he played a lot of that third quarter where the Cavaliers scored thirty five points. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, Maxi should play more, but I mean, we've seen what Maxi what happens to Maxi when he plays more, and I mean. We were talking about this in Slack with Matthew because he's like, are the Mavericks just this dumb? Like, can they not see that you know the Kristaps Maxi is the is the answer to their to the to the problem? And I'm like, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume mm-hmm. that they're not that dumb. It's just that look at what happened to Maxi and Kristaps these last two seasons. Like, they get to the playoffs and they're and they're ghosts. And whether it's Kristaps getting hurt in the first playoff series or him just looking like a shell of himself last season because he's coming back from that meniscus surgery. And then Maxie's been a no-show in two straight playoff series. So, uh, and he was, he went through a hell of a season last year with, with injuries and COVID and, and just, it was, it was a brutal season for him. And, and he started most of the season and I just, you know, he's 30 and, or he's 29. He'll be 30 in, in about a month or, uh, you know, a little over a month. So, I mean, we have evidence that, you know, yeah, it'll help boost your regular season, but the ultimate goal is the playoffs and you got to try to, it's a tricky balancing act. And I, you know, I don't, it's not a fun problem for the, for the Mavericks coaching staff, but I, I'm pretty confident that they understand those limitations. And that's why we're not seeing KP and Maxi start the game and play you know, 35 you, minutes a game. Like they're not that, like, I know we both have our qualms with the coaching staff and, right. and the decision-making, but they're not that dumb. They're just not. And neither guy is built for that over the long haul. Like there's just evidence of this now. Um, you know, Maxi is a battler, but you know, you play him too much, he breaks down. Like we have yeah. two seasons of that at this point. It's not his fault. It's right. an athlete. Like like you know, the NBA is a grind. This is why you have multiple dudes. I, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people probably expected me to be really heated, and I'm just, I'm just not. It I'm did very... have all the conditions for you to be. Heated. Well, that also <laughs> helps whenever I'm like writing, um, uh-huh. and because I kind of have to focus, and 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 you know, I, I tend to overwrite when I don't know what to say. Um, and with this, I took like two pages of notes, and it's just like, what is there to say about this? This is a bad loss, and I don't know what the fix is because the fix is get better players, <laughs> right? But, we can't keep saying that every game because no. no one wants to hear that. You know, I had one guy, a guy that I like interacting with on Twitter today, basically be like, you have to let this Mark Cuban thing go. And I'm just like, I, I can't. Like, he is the general manager. It, it, it's, 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 you know, it, it's complete. I can't even think of a good comparison because it's just like how this team is constructed is the root of all their problems and why they keep losing in very similar ways despite, you know, shuffling in a new coach who I, I still don't have a good feel for, um, you know, he, you know, somebody messaged me after the Clippers game when we posted Xavier's article and was like, he did a smart thing. He got Powell out of the starting rotation. Yes, he did. But then he went to Willie and then went to Moses, which says that this roster can't do what he, what Jason Kidd wants them to do. Right. And they know that they have the limitations with KP and they have the limitations with Maxi in terms of they don't want to play KP center all season and they want to try to limit Maxi's minutes. But yeah, it's and the you know, getting over the Cuban thing, it's like it it's one thing if it's like, you know, a general manager, because they general managers can get fired. Uh you can't fire Mark Mark Cuban and 
and we just have enough evidence, you know, I mean, what, what are we going to do? I mean, that's where the pissing in the wind really comes into place because you can't get fired. So like we're yelling into the, I mean, we're really, we're just yelling into the void. I mean, and, and you know, I hate to bring this up, but it's the same thing, you know, a lot of aggrieved uh, Cowboys fans have felt, you know, for the last 25 years where the Cowboys haven't done anything either. Uh, you know, they have a good team this year, but you know, the same thing where it's just like Jerry Jones is the, is the alpha and the Omega and you can't fire Jerry Jones. And you look at it, you know, a franchise that hadn't had any playoff success for at least a decade. And it's starting to look pretty similar to what's happening in Dallas. And it's, it's a shame. Uh, and, but yeah, I understand, I understand both sides of where it's like, you know, get, you know, nothing's going to change because he can't get fired. But also, I feel like we're just losing our minds as as it gets, you know, sometimes it gets glossed over. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I, well, I, I don't know. We talked we talked about this in our Slack. And what's going to happen is that the, the Mavericks are likely going to beat, they're going to win at least, they should go 3-0 in their schedule because they play the Pelicans back-to-back and Pelicans are still a mess. And then they play the Jean Morant-less Cavs, uh, not Cavs, uh, uh, Grizzlies, and, you know, that's going to be a grind of a game, but Morant is one is, is currently one of like, he's to me, he's like a top five NBA, like MVP kind of guy. He's so dang good. Um, then, you know, being able to miss out on that is nice. I mean, the thing is that we don't know, um, is we don't know what happened to Porzingis. Like he, he sprained his ankle, but the thing that the difference between a guy like him and a guy like Luca with a sprained ankle is his biomechanics history over time is so bad that it's just, it's just likely they're going to hold him out for sheer caution's sake. And he's probably not going to like that. You know, he made a, he, he gave an interview today on, or maybe yesterday on uh, like the CBS affiliate in Dallas, where he talked about how he didn't like how he was load managed. And it's just like, Man, you're seven foot three. You're an odd, bo- like odd-bodied human. They have to take very particularly good care of you because they, the Mavericks need him. Like my feelings, your feelings, whatever. Like he is still part of the engine whenever they're cooking, right? Right. Um, and man, like, and w- like you said, like he, the type of player he is, and his body history, and the way he moves, like you can't you can't roll him back out there if his ankle is tender. Like that just is asking for like mm-hmm. a worse injury to another I mean, he plays like body. he's hurt too. That's the thing that I, that fr- like that frustrates me about KP and his sort of lack of acknowledgement. He plays differently when he is hurt. There is simply no other way around it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, then we saw that last season where it was mm-hmm. a layup line on defense, but. Oh man, I just, yeah. Y- <laughs> You're right, and I made that point on Twitter about how, you know, the next three games, like, they will probably, the schedule will help them stabilize, and they will likely go at least two and one in the next three games. So they're not going to, like, I, I can't imagine they dip below 500 uh, in the next two weeks. So, but then, like, Kirk, there's another side of my brain that's like, why should I care about them beating the Pelicans twice when we've seen what we've seen in mm-hmm. this game, right? in the game against the Heat? and the game against the Bulls, and the game against the Wizards, and any other game they played against a good team. Like, like I just don't understand. Like, I feel like we're just spinning our wheels here. Like, what's the end game? Like, you beat, congratulations, you know, you go 2-1 and one against against the hobbled Memphis team and the, and the Pelicans. Like, I, I'm just losing the thread here because we've seen this roster for three straight years, and I think I'm going to write about this when we're done recording, but, like, how long is is it enough? Like we talk every 
Mavericks issue we've had in the, or, you know, that we've had with the team in the last three years, I feel like the general counterpoint has been, well, just give it more time, you know, give the, give the front office more time to surround Luca with pieces, you know, give them more than one off season, give these guys more chance time, time to play together, give this season longer. It's only been 10 games. It's only been 15 games. Well, now it's only been 19 games. And you met, you posted that really good uh, bit from, from Tom Thibodeau, uh, the Knicks coach who talked about how every time, you know, you, what is it? Like, you know, you ask for, you say, wait for 20 games and then 20 games gets here and you say, wait for 30 games and mm-hmm. you keep doing that. And you just kind of, you lose um, yeah. track of it. And I'm like, I don't know how much longer we should wait. And right. maybe because we, we have enough, uh, you know, Xavier. We've waited was... like, we've waited like 160 games with this roster. Yes. Like yes. Jesus, you know, Porzingis <laughs> and Luca have played together. When it when I wrote when I when I did the research with Xavier to, to like kind of fact check for the second piece that he did, Luca and KP have played had played together at that point one hundred and four out of one hundred and seventy seven possible games that they could have played together. That's one of them being injured because Luca also gets injured. Is we don't talk about that as much, but Luca, you know, he just came off three missed games. Um, I it's great that they win a lot when they play together. They play together sixty percent of the time, like. <laughs> KP's already missed a couple games with back injury. Luca's missed some time. KP's mm-hmm. probably going to miss some more time. Like, mm-hmm. like mean, a roster many... can't exist to only play under perfect circumstances. And then, even then, like, I mean, how many games have we seen with the Luca, Kristaps, Tim Hardaway, Dorian starting lineup? Like, yeah. what are we waiting for? Like, uh, is Dorian going to turn into a forty-three percent three-point shooter? Is Tim Hardaway Jr. going to start averaging eight assists a game? Like, I don't. Yeah. Like I, it's I don't want to be too defeatist because again this might sound really silly if the Mavericks go out and beat the Pelicans by a bad Pelicans team by twelve and then everyone's gonna you know look at this and take a victory lap and tell me how wrong I am and I get it but like man I just I'm tired I'm tired of of waiting and I understand that part of it is Luca is not even twenty five years old yet and you know players under twenty five years old just don't win nba titles very often uh no matter how good they are uh so i get it you know it took lebron a while it took michael jordan a while it takes a lot of these guys a long time but at least you know there was i'm just not seeing i'm not seeing the end game like because we're past the point of like hoping for these free agent mirror like because the cap space is gone like i mean what are they i know i'm the guy who doesn't believe in cap space but now like yeah. Like I don't, I don't see the savior coming in. They don't have any trade assets. Uh, you know, maybe they pull a rabbit out of a hat toward the trade deadline this year. I don't know, but like, it'd be one thing to to stomach these losses if like their core was like near the same age as Luca and KP, but everyone else is like in their late twenties, early thirties. So I'm like, wh- what are we building to? Like, yeah. I just, that's the part that gets me real depressed after these games because I look at Cleveland and I see what Cleveland's building to. I don't know if it's going to be as good as the Mavericks because the Mavericks have Luka Doncic, but there's, there's something there. Like I can see where the point a to B to C, like, I don't know what the next step for this, for this roster is. Cause I mean, we've seen it a bunch of times and it doesn't work. Uh, I mean, it works to beat other bad teams and it works, you know, to some degree in the regular season, but I don't know. I'm just, they're lucky that the West is also a trash fire, and I should mm-hmm. probably say that mm-hmm. before we get rid of, you know, before yeah. we go out. The teams below the Mavericks in the standings are 
the Timberwolves, Los Angeles Lakers, Memphis Grizzlies, Denver Nuggets, Portland Trailblazers, and then you know the the, the bad bad teams like the Kings and, and Thunder. Right. Like I don't see where the Lakers, Grizzlies, Nuggets, and like even if the Mavericks keep playing middling basketball, like the teams below them have some major issues. Mm-hmm. So, so I feel like they could fart their way to a bad point, like a negative point differential, and still get the fifth seed. And it's like, hooray! Like right. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. Like it just, it, it just, it just feels, it feels like you wrote in your recap that it feels like the players are stuck in the quicksand. It feels like as an observer, I'm also stuck. Well, I'm tired. I'm tired. Like it's, you know, there was the back half of that Dennis Smith rookie year um, when we'd gotten to about 55 games and Dennis was Dennis and we'd all talked ourselves into him and it wasn't his fault, but that team was terrible. And yet, because Carlisle is a hell of a coach, they kept banging out wins they shouldn't have gotten even when they were like trying to super tank down the stretch because they realized after like, they realized after that all-star break that they were winning too many games. Like Cuban got in trouble. I don't know. Yeah, Cuban said it. <laughs> and and then there was the Memphis game that was just like an all-timer, like Devin Harris and uh Salamedri, like basically screwing the Mavericks out of getting Zion or Ja. Um <laughs> really incredible. Good work there, guys, in retrospect. But it's just there's nothing to learn from that team. And I'm to the point right now where I don't think there's anything to learn. I don't know what else they can try. Like Reggie and Tim hit an open shot. Like the, the the wonderful commenters and people that follow me on social media love pointing out that the Mavs are getting unbelievable shot quality. I get it. But at a certain point, the shot quality has to meet shot impact. And when I watch Reggie Bullock miss another three, when I watch like Tim Hardaway is just in a funk. I mean, I want to say he was 30, 27 of 85 before last game, like from the floor uh, after last game. And so then coming back to this tonight, he is now at, uh, where is he? Third, so so he's at 30, 30 of 95 over his last six or seven games. Like that's terrible. Yeah. He hasn't been over 40% from the field since uh, November 15th in the Denver win. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, the Mavericks have lost, uh, what? five out of their last six since that yeah. game and yeah. it's been pretty bad in all of them so oh, i don't know God. because like we've got maybe some good news with i know matthew's writing a piece on reggie bullock with uh his splits his october november you know not to spoil the article but his october november shooting stats historically are hilarious so uh, December 1st is on Wednesday. So maybe that's when things start, start turning around and maybe he starts making some shots, but, uh, we're, we're just, we're running out of time for, for like, you know, for Tim Hardaway Jr. to start making some, sh- like, you know what I mean? Like I'm tired of, of being like, we'll give it like five more games, give it five more games. Cause I feel like we're, what's the same, you know, what are the smart NBA people that we we're friends with or follow? It's what about 20 games. Uh, yeah. It's 20 games. Before, we're 19. Before, yeah, we're not. Yeah, so uh, time time's almost up. So yep. I don't yep. know what else to say. All right, guys, Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow. Um, I'm going to host a green room, which ought to be a lot of fun. <laughs> oh boy! Um, I mean, I, I I love talking to people with these. It's just it's it. You know, it, the losses no, it are much more painful than the wins, which is why it's called group therapy. So you know, join green room, listen to us. We'll probably have at least two or three articles up tomorrow. Um, I may need to get a hold of Xavier. I can't tell if he's joking. He slacked me and was like i'm writing another column and i'm like are you oh, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> 
All right, guys, this has been fun. We'll talk in, uh, you know, we'll talk in a couple of days because the Mavericks play a couple more times this week. It's been Kirk Anderson and Josh Bow once again. Thanks so much for listening to Mavs Moneyball After Dark and have a better Tuesday. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.